Join me for a conversation with Matt Moniz. He was one of the youngest mountaineers to summit all of the 14ers in Colorado in record time, as well as the highest peak in all 50 states, as well as one of the youngest climbers on many of the biggest mountains in the world, including Everest and Lhotse. You'll hear some of his compelling stories about triumph and tragedy uh, and how it's contributed to who he is today. Stay with us. Welcome to The Avid Adventurer. I'm your host, Dave Secunda, founder of Avid for Adventure, and I am psyched you're here. Each week, just like today, I'll bring you an interview with a kiddo, young adult, or parent as they share not only the details of their noteworthy outdoor pursuits, but also how they navigate risk, challenge, setbacks, and service in their journey. It'll bring a smile to your face and you'll feel your heart expand as you get to know the inner landscapes of these athletes. After listening, I know you'll feel uplifted and ready for your own next avid adventure. So let's dive in. All right, Matt Moniz, I'm so glad to have you with us today. Such a pleasure. I realize as I'm just about to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself, I had like butterflies in my stomach because uh, it's been a quite a while since I've had an opportunity to talk to you. And I'm just so excited to hear about kind of how your life has unfolded since many, many moons ago when I knew you as a little kid. And so I'm just so happy to, to have this arc come full circle. Um, so to start with, let me ask you to just introduce yourself, share um, where you're living and your preferred pronouns and how old you are today, just to kind of get a little bit of a level setting. Yeah, of course. Uh, great to be on. Really excited about it. Uh, my name is Matt Moniz, um, originally from Boulder, Colorado, and currently living up in uh, Winter Park, Colorado. So getting an opportunity to ski a lot, which is wonderful. Uh, preferred pronouns are he, him, uh, and I am now uh, 25 years old. Amazing. Wonderful. So uh, I want to start by giving you the opportunity to share three things that you're really proud of in your outdoor adventures. And I'd encourage our listeners, dig in deep, look on Google for, for Matt Moniz and his various uh, escapades and adventures in the outdoors, because there are many. Uh, but I, I'd love to hear from you just those things that that you're really proud of that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, of course. So I think there's probably kind of three very different things that that I am really proud of in my experiences in the outdoors. And I think the first one of those is is probably uh, the opportunity to climb Makalu. And for a lot of the listeners, you've probably heard of Everest and maybe K2 and some of the other big mountains in the world, but not a lot of people have heard of Makalu. And uh, it's the sixth tallest mountain on the planet, uh, sixth or fourth tallest mountain on the planet. And it is, uh, we, I had the opportunity to climb it back in, when was that? I guess uh, 2016 now. And uh, it was an incredible climb. Uh, it really pushed my limits uh, technically, physically. And I think one of the coolest parts about it was that, that not many people have heard about it. And it's, uh, it's kind of one of those things where if you're in the climbing community and it's something that, uh, that is well known, but I, I think it's really cool that there are still mountains and there's still places out there, uh, that are really unique and that, uh, there's a lot of unexplored areas. I think the next, the next aspect is probably, uh, an adventure that I did fairly recently 
when I went to uh, Fiji on an adventure race. And this is something that I had not done previously. I had no adventure racing background and I had very little experience or background in any of the disciplines in the, the adventure race. And I had not spent really any time in the jungle. I, I was asked to be part of a team um, that was made up of uh, Boy Scouts. Uh, and we basically sailed, climbed, hiked, uh, ran and mountain biked all across the islands of Fiji. Uh, we didn't place very well, but I think the uh, the coolest experience for me was really doing something that I had not done previously and really pushed me out of my comfort zone. I think the last mm-hmm. one is is probably uh, when I in 2018 I, I went back to Nepal and uh, was able to uh, climb Everest, and I think the piece that I think was really unique. And what I'm most proud of is not actually summoning Everest in that, on that expedition. We actually did a a big component of that was uh, doing a bunch of scientific research. Uh, So we worked with uh, Cornell school School of medicine to essentially recreate the NASA twin study uh, on Everest. So uh, basically looking at genomic changes uh, between uh, twins living at sea level versus twins uh, that are uh, at 28,000 feet. And I have a twin sister. Uh, she uh, is really big into the outdoors. And then my climbing partner, Willie Benegas, uh, has an identical twin brother as well. So it was a really unique opportunity to blend kind of two big passions of mine, uh, one being science uh, and two being climbing uh, into uh, a really interesting project. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for sharing the diversity of those. Um, you know, one thing that I love just about your answer there, just even on the first one, uh, talking about Makalu was, was just like, well, is it the fourth highest or the sixth highest? And what year was that? And I've always found you one that has these huge accomplishments in the outdoors and yet a really low ego about them. And one of the last times that we talked was an invitation uh, when you came to speak to staff at Avid for Adventure uh, when you had completed the highest peak in all 50 states, uh, as well as I think it was the, the fastest time on Colorado 14ers. And I remember you sharing about it with such... um like just enthusiasm, like kid filled enthusiasm. Like it was really fun. It was awesome. Uh, so many folks that I talked to about outdoor escapades, it is really ego driven. And I've just heard you, um, speak so often about your connection with, uh, some of the things around the edges uh, that aren't necessarily, um, the things that people identify as that big goal out in front. So we'll loop back by and talk more about that big goal versus the big goal, big G goal versus the little G goal. Uh, But let me ask you to just kind of go a level deeper. And as far as an introduction, answer the question, you know, if you really knew me, you'd know that. And it's an invitation to share something about yourself. So just to complete that sentence, if you really knew me, you would know that. Take it from there. Yeah, so I, it's a great question. I, I really like it. And I think that one of the biggest things that, uh, the, the people around me and, and closest to me, uh, understand and, and, and know about me is, is that, um, I love introducing people to the outdoors. I think that that is, uh, one of the most special things that you can do, especially being in a, uh, really amazing opportunity privilege to be able to go on these expeditions to have this experience. Um, and to not share that with people is almost feels like a crime to me. 
Um, I think that the outdoors to me is, is one of our planets, if not our planet's most valuable resource. Um, and I think that if we don't inspire and uh, get people in the outdoors, um, that resources uh, can, will not be enjoyed by future generations, which is really scary to me. So I think that like anything that, that I, that I can do, uh, whether it's like teaching my coworker to ski on the bunny slopes at Winter Park or teaching someone how to roll their kayak for the first time. Like those are things that for me are really, really special. And I think that things that um, I feel just as excited and accomplished uh, about is, is climbing mountains or, or going on ex- expeditions. Well, share that experience for yourself. Who or what sort of folks introduced you to the outdoors? And are there any specific experiences that come forward to you as really memorable, kind of being on the receiving end of that introduction? Yeah, absolutely. And and I wouldn't be in the place that I, I that I am today uh, if I didn't have the, these mentors that, that have uh, kind of fostered this uh, love and appreciation for the outdoors and outdoor adventures. I think the the couple that come to mind. Uh, one is my dad. Um, when I was really, when my sister and I were really young, uh, he, he was really passionate about, uh, throwing us into the outdoors and, and teaching us to climb and camp and ski uh, at a really young age. And I thought that was, that was a normal experience growing up. And I, I think that it took a lot of reflection <laughs> looking back on it, that that is, that is a really unique opportunity. And I think that, so that's, that's, I think where a lot of my kind of love for, uh, the outdoors really stemmed from. I think that, Kind of more specifically, uh, Willie Benegas, uh, who's a very close friend of mine uh, and a, a big, big mentor and who I have done a lot of climbing with in the past. He really kind of took me under his wing and, and started to introduce me to uh, more technical climbing, technical skiing, and, and really kind of pushing my, pushing my limits and comfort into the outdoors. And I think that a lot of my uh, risk tolerance, a lot of my respect for the mountains comes from, comes from Willie. And I think the last piece is, is maybe something that's a little bit more relatable to, uh, to different people, uh, is, um, a, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jordan Sanford and, uh, at, uh, I went to school up in, at Dartmouth in the Northeast and I'd always wanted to get into whitewater kayaking. And, uh, my, my dad was into whitewater kayaking a bit and he's like, I don't want to. <laughs> um, so I, I had to go out and find someone and it's a very humbling experience being a beginner, uh, in something in any activity. Um, and I, I definitely felt that. And I think having a, having a mentor in the space that, that is, uh, willing to help push your limits, uh, but also willing to understand your, uh, your concerns and everything else, um, is, is really important. And I think that those experiences and those mentors can really kind of make or break your experience in the outdoors. Share from that a little bit more specifically, um, that opportunity to be a novice, you know, to, to kind of come into something new like kayaking. Do you remember a particular moment where there was fear or trepidation or elation at like mastering or, um, figuring out something new? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, uh, one of my first days kayaking was on the Connecticut River on a small rapid. Uh, right outside Dartmouth, I think it was class two, maybe. And I remember going to my first hole, like all excited. It was the first wave train and there was a little hole at the end. And I was like, I totally got this. And I, I went in and immediately rolled and swimmed. And I felt like such an, uh, such a novice. And I was so embarrassed. And, uh, uh, my, my buddy paddles up to me and he's like, don't worry about it. Like that happens to everyone. <laughs> and I, I think that the more and more I started kayaking, the more and more I realized that is like, is that 
everyone swims no matter how good you are. And I think taking that kind of humble attitude into it uh, is really important. I think not only for kayaking, for any, for any outdoor activity. Um, and like even the best climber, even the best kayaker in the world, like everyone swims, everyone has their bad days. And I think that that's kind of a, a, a unique opportunity to, uh, to be a novice, to, to experience that. Um, and, uh, to also like grow from that. I think one of the most excited I've ever been in the outdoors was when I nailed my first combat role and I was like, mm. this is awesome. And that's mm. like, that's an experience that like everyone, a lot of people have in, in kayaking and, and it's something that kind of is, is a, is a foundational skill, but to do that, uh, is, is really, I think that like, for me, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different areas in which in my life where, where I've done this activity at a very high level, but I think even like being at a, a very low level and experiencing like a big win is, was just as rewarding. Mm, absolutely. I, I love that. Like, I'll take that away. Everyone swims. It's, it's a great metaphor. Yeah. For everything outdoors, but for life in general, you know, it's like we all swim. Some days we just swim, you know, uh, and, uh, whether we like it or not. And from the way you're telling that as well, it felt like, and I want to go a little bit deeper on this, this opportunity. Who is, who is your friend who was introducing you to kayaking? Uh, Jordan Sanford. Jordan. So it seems like this moment that you, came up for air, you know, and he paddles up to you was a little bit of a pivotal moment where he could have just said, everyone swims as he did and, um, and gone one direction or like, man, that was really an F up, you know, or whatever it was. And it feels like from what you told me about the joy that it brings you to introduce people to the outdoors is that you spend time with people in the everyone swims moment and it's okay, you know? And again, when you were sharing that and you had the smile on your face, it just looked like this reflection back on that moment, that that was a moment in your relationship with him that made it deeper, like a deeper connection between you. And have you had that opportunity uh, with partners in the outdoors and other settings? Like, are there particular moments, either big accomplishments or big failures uh, where you really felt that bond of companionship tightening up with who you're with. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is I actually, I think the biggest times I've experienced that are, are times of, of adversary or adversity. I think that being in the outdoors when something goes wrong with someone is never a good situation, but you really understand, you learn a lot about yourself and you learn about a lot about that other person. Um, and I think that some of my, some of my, closest uh friends and closest mentors have always have kind of um unfortunately or fortunately arrived from situations of adversity can you um, share one of those does one come forward when it was like one of those moments and what happened yeah i think i think probably the biggest one is in, in 2015 um during when we were on mount everest um so we were attempting to climb everest and lotse uh and then uh, try to do a ski descent of the lotse kular and we had just arrived into base camp on uh, April 23rd, mm -hmm. 2015, and uh, the earthquake in Nepal happened. And I think uh, some more recently, I think there was a Netflix documentary. So I think more, more and more people know about the, the events that, that took place in base camp, um, which was really unfortunate. Essentially, the earthquake triggered a massive avalanche that wiped through base camp and uh, killed about 22 or 23 people um, and injured around 80 people. 
And that was a really, uh, really scary moment. And I think one for me, uh, a really humbling moment uh, in the, in the uh, mountains. And I think that um, the, the time in which I spent with Willie, who I was my climbing partner, who I was with at the time, um, both immediately after the avalanche and earthquake as, as well as the, the months and years preceding that, I think the, the conversations we've had, the, the, um, relationship that we have is, is much deeper, uh, because of that, that shared experience. Um, mm. and again, I think that you, you get to know yourself, uh, in those situations and you get to know the people that you're surrounded with in those situations. Um, and I think it's, it's not, never something that is good to happen, but I think that there's under the right circumstances, you can learn a lot uh, about yourself and, and learn a lot about the people you're around. What in that particular experience? And I remember, uh, like personally, I was following that expedition. I knew within minutes of that uh, earthquake and avalanche occurring, it was scary here at home. And I'm going to ask you about that as far as those you know, family members who weren't there. Um, I remember hearing that you kind of took shelter behind a boulder and found yourself safe through that. What was the specific learning that you had about yourself and about Willie in that situation? Like, what are those things to kind of go, like, what are those things that changed that day for you that you found out about yourself or others? I think the biggest thing that I found out about myself is, like, it is so important to take a humble attitude into the outdoors and into the Mm -hmm. mountains. I think Mm -hmm. that before then, I had been very lucky. I had, I had had wonderful weather windows, not, not any major uh, accidents or, or injuries that have happened in the outdoors, uh, despite spending a lot of time in, in the mountains and in some pretty dangerous places. And I think that I had almost a bit of perception mm-hmm. that like nothing bad can happen to me in the outdoors. And I think mm-hmm. that that was a massive wake up call for me mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. so close to uh, people who have died and being in a, in a really terrible situation. And I think that it actually ended up fostering, I think, a much healthier relationship with the outdoors and, and an understanding for me personally that every time you go into the outdoors, there is risk. Mm-hmm. And I know that we'll probably talk touch on risk later, but the calculus for risk, I think, changed a lot that day. And to know that, like, doesn't matter who you are in the outdoors, like, bad things can happen. And I think the most important thing is is learning from those experiences and trying not to... and ensuring that you have a proper understanding of, of how you approach those, that in the outdoors. I think the, uh, I think one of the other uh, interesting things that I learned about Willie that day is, is that the people that you want to be surrounded with in the outdoors and in these, on these big expeditions are people who can maintain a calm, cool head in really stressful situations. And I remember mm-hmm. huddling behind this rock and the avalanche went over us and Willie looked over me and he's like, it's going to be okay. Like, this is bad, but it's going to be okay. And I think that that moment for me was like a pretty pivotal moment for me mm-hmm. being like panicked and freaking mm-hmm. out versus like, it's going to be okay. Wow. I mean, Matt, it actually brings tears to my eyes like to think about you that, that in that situation, because I over here, as I'm sure your father and your mother and your sister, like I was in tears, like as this was unfolding with this, like lack of knowing and seeing this disaster unfolding at a distance. And so there was this whole different experience for your family, I know, and those that loved you, and there are many of those. 
talk about that broader experience of like, what about the circle of people around you when you're in situations that are um, closer to the edge and, and get very close to the edge as, as this one did in this very unexpected earthquake and, and avalanche. You know, I, I don't know if there's a specific question other than like, you know, when did you talk to your family? What was that connection like? And did there, uh, was there any change in the family dynamic around risk tolerance and your relationship with them? Yeah. So I think that it's a, it's a really interesting question. And I think kind of specific, I'll start kind of specifically at that, at that moment and then kind of broaden out to how, at least I think that I approach risk and a lot of the people in my family approach risk, uh, especially mm-hmm. now. Um, so the, the earthquake happened, avalanche went over us. More to come in just one moment. Stay with us. Why is Avid for Adventure voted one of Outside Magazine's best places to work year after year? Because when you work here, your office is the outdoors. Atop mountains, in rivers, and on trails, alongside colleagues that share your passions. Your to-do list will consist of teaching curious kids how to paddle, climb, hike, bike, and thrive in the outdoors. This isn't your typical day job. It's an adventure you'll never forget. Come check out all the opportunities for this summer at Avid for Adventure at avid4.com and then click on jobs. Avalanche went over us. We were both okay. Um, we, we got up and ran over to the what was left of our camp. And I remember grabbing my phone and surprisingly, mm-hmm. there's actually uh, service in base camp, which is, uh, which is pretty interesting. And there's Wi-Fi. Um, so uh, I, I remember grabbing my phone and then looking at my phone and knowing that I had to text my dad um, and my yeah. parents. And I was like, what do I say? And I'm like, I don't want to scare them. I don't know if like, I didn't know that it had been a, a, an earthquake. I actually thought that it was just a movement of a glacier and then which caused this avalanche. So I didn't realize that it probably would hit national news the next morning. And I didn't want to scare them. At that point, we didn't, I didn't know the extent of damage that had occurred in base camp. So I just texted them, are you awake? And I, I left it at that. I'm like, I don't want to freak them out, but I want to like. It's like a booty call to your parents or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are you awake? Do I, like, yeah. can I give you a quick yeah. call? To, and they, mm-hmm. they, of course, were sleeping because Nepal's, I think, a 12-hour difference. Yeah. So I, it was probably 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And as soon as that happened, or right after that happened, we... Willie and I kind of started to understand the uh, the entire uh, situation on the ground was much worse than we initially thought. So we basically kind of pivoted to much more of a search and rescue role. At the time, I had the only first aid skills I had were were first aid first aid merit badge and Boy Scouts, I think. And I think that was one of the the biggest uh, mistakes that I that I have ever made in the in the outdoors was not ensuring that I had the proper medical skills to respond to an accident situation like that. And immediately after that trip, I took my EMT course and worked as a ski patroller. And, and I think that that was a, a big shift in my, my own mm-hmm. calculus. But um, we basically spent about two to, two to three days um, doing search and rescue. Uh, Willie had a lot more medical experience than I did. So we would look for patients, bring them to uh, the areas where they were being treated. Um, there are some really unsung heroes of that day. Um, the, the physicians over at the Everest ER clinic, uh, mm-hmm. did some really amazing work, um, with some very 
limited resources and had to make some very tough calls. Um, so a lot of what we were doing during that time was was very occupied with uh, this this really important task of trying to find people. Um, as the hours were rolling by, of course, my parents like started hearing what was coming out of base camp, what was coming out of Nepal, and they like were trying to get a hold of me. And of course, I my phone had long since died and everything else, and I didn't mm-hmm. really put it into perspective um, how mm-hmm. they must have perceived everything. Um, because they got this text like minutes after the earthquake happened. They didn't know if it had like was a delayed send or if I was okay. And then there's all these reports of lots of people had died in base camp uh, and they know we were showing up to base camp during that time. So I think that was a very stressful time at home that I didn't like learn to appreciate until I got, until I actually got home and, and was able to talk to them. What was interesting is my, I, I'm not a superstitious type of person. Um, at least I don't think I am. But my uh, my my sister, my twin sister, woke up, and she actually walked to my parents' room that night while like what during the earthquake um, or right after the earthquake happened. And she's like, "Hey, has Matt texted you or anything? Like, t- is everything okay over there?" So we we joke that it's like a twin telepathy thing, but uh, kind of a kind of an interesting side side note there. For sure, yeah. I don't think it's superstition. It's just like. You guys have deep love and connection and, you know, wherever you are, it's, it's strong. Wow. What was the first conversation with your parents? That's a good question. I think a lot of those probably four to five days were very busy and Mm -hmm. I don't remember a lot from them. um, If I'm being honest, the, I know that I talked to my parents very briefly, basically saying I'm okay. Willie's okay. Damien at the time was also on the mountain. Damien's okay. what's happening in base camp is not okay. Um, but like, we're okay. We're safe. Um, but that's all I can say right now. And it was, Mm -hmm. I remember being very short conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't until we, I think we're back in Kathmandu where we actually kind of sat down and was like, this was actually really bad situation. Willie and I and Damien as well ended up staying in Nepal for, I think Willie and I stayed for probably another month. And I think Damien stayed for four or five more months. Um, working with the UN World Food Program to do some village assessments um, in a different in the Manisli region. Um, so the UN World Food Program didn't have a lot of acclimated staff to get up to the, some of these villages to, to do some of the assessments. So we were up there with a team of uh, doctors, uh, basically just understanding what villages needed what supplies, how much food they had, how many injured people they had. Um, so the World Food Program could send kind of a more targeted response. Um, and I think that that experience actually was really beneficial for me, for my mental health, for, for mm-hmm. kind of coping and processing, like a lot of what happened. I think that while it was not easy work, um, I think it was for me and I think for Willie as well, talking to him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. it was very, uh, important that we, that we kind of stayed behind and kind of saw at least some of the things through. Um, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like, we had this experience, we had this accident and we immediately went home and like Mm -hmm. everyone around us was acting normal and like this, but this really bad thing had happened. Mm -hmm. So I think for us, it was a a good way for us to process what had happened in like a a much healthier way. Thank you for that. Wow. Well, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are parents or will be parents. And at some point, maybe you'll have kids or kiddos or whatever it may be. How does this whole experience of growing up in the outdoors 
inform how you might be as a parent in the future? Like what, what does it make you think about uh, if, if you had kids and what, what would you want and how would you introduce them to the outdoors and that sort of thing? Or would you like, how, how does it all unfold when you think about um, paying it forward? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think that like, um, it, it also gives me a perspective of how my parents um, probably feel like letting me go on these massive expeditions uh, to places that are not necessarily safe. Um, but at the same time, like my greatest experiences in life have happened in the outdoors. And like, that is something that I never want to shelter anyone from. I think whether it's my, my kids or my cousins or my nephews or nieces, like that is something that I'll always prioritize, like introducing people to the, this amazing thing that is the outdoors, whether it's, whether it's the oceans or the mountains or the forest or the rivers, like they are, it's all amazing. And it's all, it's all a, a really incredible opportunity to learn a lot about yourself and have some really incredible uh, experiences. So I think that like, I'll absolutely encourage anyone to go into the outdoors. I think it's, it's super special and it's an, it's an amazing place. And I think that more recently, especially as I've taken some of my friends and, uh, and started to mentor them a little bit more in the outdoors, it's, it's made me think a lot more critically about like how comfortable I am, um, making, uh, risk assessment calls on their behalf. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that one of the biggest things that, that I've taken away from it is like, everything is risky in life, right? Driving down I-70 during a snowstorm is incredibly risky. And I think that, I think there is a lot of, a lot of people who may choose to, I, I think that whatever your risk tolerance is, there's no correct or wrong answer. I think that um, like, I won't go back country skiing on like considerable high avalanche danger days. Um, but um, that's, that's a calculus that people have to make on their own. Um, and I think that one of the big things that I try to teach people when I'm taking into the outdoors is understanding, having them understand this is a full category of risk, but also, um, you need to make this decision on your own. Like this isn't something that should be influenced by me or yourself. Um, and, and it's uh, like risk tolerance in the outdoors is a very, I, I think it's fascinating. Um, and there's a lot of calculus that goes into it. I think there's a lot of things that you can control. Um, but I think there's a lot of objective dangers that you can't control. And it's, it's how willing you are to accept the parts of that, that you can't control, um, and how willing you are to still, uh, immerse yourself in those types of environments. Mm -hmm. That's, it's, there's a lot packed in those statements there. I want to, I want to kind of unpack a couple of them there. Um, you know, I hear a lot about the importance of developing judgment to kind of understand, uh, to understand the risk and to go in, you know, eyes wide open, uh, with that assessment as well. But one of the things you said in taking friends into the outdoors is this, um, uh, greater awareness of, um, you know, what risk tolerance you are, uh, willing to take on for them or with them, that type of thing. And I will say like, as a parent, that is the, the parent journey, you know, like you have this little ball of human that, that can't do anything. And then slowly they develop more and more independence to this point where you've stepped further and further away as a parent. But there are these many years of this incremental slow 
pulling back and repetitive assessment of what's too far, you know, what's too great of a risk for them to take and what's too much of a helicopter, like what's too constraining so that, that my little kiddo is not having the full experience of life there overall. And so it is interesting being in that parent role to negotiate that because there is this portion of time that you witnessed growing up where there is a parental responsibility and oversight for those choices of what sort of situations to bring your kids into overall. So I guess what I'd say is what advice would you have based on your life experience? Like what advice would you have for other parents on how to navigate that line of, you know, being overly protective versus so hands off that the, um, you know, that the risk is, is not worth the reward, the potential, you know, risk in these, in these situations. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting. And I think that that makes me think back to, um, my dad not wanting to teach me how to whitewater kayak. And I think at the time I was like, this is ridiculous. Like you did this, you did this in college. Like, um, this is a sport that you really enjoy doing. Like, why can't you teach me how to do it? And he's like, it's too dangerous. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to teach you how to do it. And I think that at the time I didn't have, I was like any other high school student, uh, or high school aged uh, kid. And I was like, this is so dumb. And I think that like spending a lot more time, both kayaking, but also in, in, uh, different, uh, environments in the outdoors. I understand him a lot. I understand that decision a lot more. Um, and I think that, um, I'm sure that there's going to be a point in which, uh, I tell my, uh, eventual kids that, um, like that's too much. Like that, that is, I, that I'm drawing the line in the sand for you on like what that risk tolerance should be. And I think that, a lot of, I think that growing up and growing up and, and getting to experience a lot of these um, different environments and, and being put into positions that, that aren't safe uh, in the outdoors, I think that that judgment call needs to be explored. And I think that the, uh, like, it, it's a it's a fine line to balance. Because um, I think that there are definitely times in which my parents have said you were not doing something. And at the time I thought it was ridiculous and looking back on it, it was a, it was a very good judgment call and one that I could make on my own. But I think that on the flip side, there was definitely experiences that I had that I've, I've had that have been closer calls um, that I have had to revise and rethink my risk tolerance and in the outdoors. And the only way I could do that was to experience that on my own. I think that mm-hmm. like, I think with kayaking is actually probably a good example. Um, I still love kayaking and it's a, it's a blast. Um, but I think I, I jumped into it too fast. And I remember being down in, uh, on a kayaking trip down in Ecuador, paddling some pretty hard class five rivers and having a really bad swim. And I think that, mm-hmm. I think that that was one of the moments where I was like, I got to tone it back. I have to pull back from this, but that's not something that my dad could have said, you can't go on that trip. Like that's, that's mm. something that I had to experience, internalize, and then revise my risk tolerance myself, especially growing up. Because like, I think that the older that you get, the more, I, I don't want to say wiser, but the more experience you have in the outdoors to be able to refine that risk tolerance. Um, and as, a, as someone who is very, who was very young growing up in the outdoors and getting, um, 
getting to experience some of these uh, really uh, interesting and, and unique environments, like that risk tolerance can't, like looking back on it, like I can't make all those decisions because I didn't have enough experience in the outdoors to be able to make those decisions. And I think that that's also something mm-hmm. that I kind of have to, that I kind of grapple with taking friends out into the outdoors and like introducing new people to different sports and, and trying to be a mentor is teaching them, like imparting my experience, but also letting them make their own judgment calls to an extent, right? There's, there's things that are um, objectively not smart, not smart decisions to make in the, uh, in the outdoors. Um, and I think those need to be flagged, but at the same time, those, some of those experiences have to be learned on your own. And I think if you, you tell someone that like something's too safe or something's too dangerous, like that is, um, that is a call that, that oftentimes needs to be learned on, on their own. So mm. it's not, that was a very yeah. long winded answer to, uh, to your question. But I think that the reason that is, is, is it's really complicated. And I think there is a fine line to walk. And mm-hmm. I think that everyone will make mistakes. There'll be times in which you, you say like, make your own decision. And, um, someone you are mentoring, whether it's your, uh, your child or your friend, like gets hurt. And that's that you feel that like that's on you. There's other times in which like mm. you make a judgment call saying like, nope, you can't do that. And they miss out on a, on a really life changing experience. And I think that like that just happens. That's just part of life. And, but I mm. think it's important to kind of walk that line. Yeah, it is a part of life. It is a difficult one as a, as a parent. And, you know, it's interesting. It, I'll, I'll share just a personal recent experience that it doesn't just end either. Uh, my mom now is, uh, is 93 and, um, and she has Alzheimer's. And so I try and get out to see her often in this window where she still knows who I am. And, um, just recently she took a bad fall and she had a, uh, you know, she had stitches and black and blue and, um, she got injured. She's going to be fine. She's going to heal. But I had this moment when I saw her and it was the same moment that I had, like with my kids were little of like, I wish I could have protected you from that. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, ah, oh, it's just this heartbreak of like, Oh, should I have, you know, fill in the blank, you know, padded the bathroom more or had an automatic light or all of the things that, you know, I replay in my mind of like would have, could have. But at the end of the day, you know, as a parent or as a kid, it's just like, you know, we have deep caring and love for these people around us. And as you said, it's a difficult line to navigate. Often we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong. Um, and that's just the unfolding of life. Well, we talked a lot about risk and we talked about some of these big experiences that have been, um, kind of scary in the outdoors. Let's kind of bring it full circle here. Describe for me the most recent experience of total joy and upliftment in the outdoors. Like just thinking back, what, what recent experience? And if you can, like, tell me specifically a moment when you're just like awesome, you know, just overflowing within you. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And I think that, um, one thing that I recently have been getting into and, and with my family, which I think is great is sailing. And, um, during COVID, mm. my dad had grown up sailing, but kind of, uh, we, we live in Colorado. There's not a lot of great sailing. Um, so kind of fell off with it. And during COVID, we all decided like, there's nothing else to do. 
let's go learn how to sail and let's go get our captain's license and, and kind of like learn how to, uh, how to sail and how to navigate waters. And, um, and I think that one of those, um, we took, we took, we went down to the Sea Cortez down in uh, Mexico and, and all took our sailing courses. And I think that the, after that course, we, we went back to Sea Cortez, uh, with my, my whole family and, I uh, took out a, I think a 45 foot catamaran and we were so nervous. Like we were like, we just took a one week course and now we're supposed <laughs> to like take this boat out in like, like kind of heavy weather. And the, the process of like getting every, like, like relying on everyone's knowledge that they heard during the course and then um, trying to like jerry rig it together and then getting out there, turning off the engines and sailing was like all of us were so excited. We were so excited that we weren't upside mm. down. We were so excited that like this was it was a great it was a really cool experience because we all were novices together all trying to figure it out and it all worked out. And I think that like I I love sailing and I've gone out a lot more since then and really want to start incorporating sailing into some of these uh different uh future expeditions. But I think that the process of like figuring it out and then it all working out uh, on that boat was, was so amazing. I remember looking around and every single person on the boat was like grinning ear to ear. Um, and uh, it, was, yeah. it was a very unique experience growing up in Colorado and not really being near the ocean at all. Um, it was, uh, we, we had a blast. That's, I could see, even as you tell the story, I could see your expression of like smiling ear to ear when you were feeling that, that, upliftment in the outdoors, which could be sailing, could be on a mountain, could be with your family when everyone is, you know, just experiencing the success of that. Where do you feel it in your body? Like if you had to describe it as a physical sensation of like upliftment, enjoying the outdoors, what does it feel like for you? I think it it starts in your stomach and then kind of just works its way up. I, I think that the, like, if you've ever gone out on a powder day and and like gotten to the top of a run and it's completely on track like everyone knows that feeling um and or like made it to- <laughs> not everyone but many people <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah and and kind of it's it's that same feeling and it's i think it's why a lot of us kind of keep coming back to the outdoors is like there's i think that at least talking to people like that feeling is, is kind of a shared experience, no matter where you, what you're doing in the outdoors. And I think it's, it's something that is really unique uh, about the outdoors that, that I think makes it so special and makes people who experience the outdoors keep coming back and keep kind of falling in love with it and, and keep wanting to do uh, different adventures, whether it's going halfway around the world or like learning to sail in your backyard. Hmm. I love it. So tell our listeners what's, what's next for you. What are you doing for work and what are you doing for play and for adventure now and going forward either in the outdoors or otherwise? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think the, the next big thing is more, more recently I I've been at uh, the same job for about two years now, kind of entering the, uh, uh, the phase of my life where I'm uh, kind of recreating the outdoors at a, at a, a more, um, uh, I guess amateur level, uh, or more just doing it because I, I kind of love doing it and kind of sneaking out on trips be- between, uh, work vacation and navigating the whole 
intricacies of PTO, um, which I think has been a new phase mm-hmm. of my life, but one that I've really enjoyed. Um, for work, I'm, I'm working at a company called Ginkgo Bioworks, uh, which is a synthetic biology company, a biotech company. Um, we do a lot of work in uh, tracking and tracing uh, different emerging infectious diseases, uh, which has been really unique. So I've gotten to go this year. I've gotten to travel to places that I would have never gone to, not for um, not for climbing or outdoors or tourism. Um, I spent a little bit of time in Ukraine this year, um, working with the Ukrainian uh, Ministry of Health, um, doing uh, SARS-CoV-2 testing in wastewater. Um, spent some time in Africa, uh, getting to do uh, different infectious disease monitoring. Um, so. I, I think it's a whole new type of adventure. And in a lot of these uh, environments, you are in the outdoors and some you're in very urban environments. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's, uh, it's one that I, that I've really enjoyed. And I, I've so far really, I think that for me, the biggest, the biggest thing for work that I was trying to get out of it was finding a place to work where I was incredibly excited to wake up uh, in the morning and like do my job. Um, which I think is is hmm. something that I I would really I really want to kind of encourage anyone to to do, and I think there's a lot of jobs like that. Um, but I think that um, it's it's something that is uh, that is really special um, and that I value a lot. And uh, the other thing is the I, I've been working my pilot's license a lot, uh, so I've I've had my pilot's license for about two years now, and recently I joined the Vermont Air National Guard. Um, I still have to go through a lot of training, um, but uh, hopefully in a couple of years, I'll be an F-35 pilot, um, which will be a whole new adventure, um, which I'm, I'm really excited about. So those are kind of the two work-related things. Um, and then besides that, um, I have been really interested and motivated to start blending some of these different skill sets that I've uh, kind of acquired over the last 25 years um, into more multi-sport adventures, if that makes sense. So um, I think in in April, I'm going to try to get out uh, to Norway to do a a ski sailing trip. So I charter a boat um, with a couple of friends and basically sail around the fjords skiing uh, up there. So I think that that really blends a lot of this newfound passion of sailing in the ocean with uh, a lot of my background growing up skiing. Um, I think that... uh, one thing I really am, am trying to kind of look at is is uh, using uh, planes to access different uh, terrain, whether it's climbing or skiing terrain in really remote environments, uh, which has been a lot of fun. I've been doing a lot of practice here in uh, Colorado and Utah, landing on different areas and jumping out of the plane and going for a quick rock climb and then jumping back in the plane and flying somewhere else. Um, so that's been a really uh, unique experience. And I love, I really enjoy learning. And I think that there's a lot of people that kind of get sucked into like, I have to be an, an expert in like this specific field. And I admire that a lot. Um, whether your goal is to become the best ski mountaineer on the planet or the best rock climber. Um, but for me, a, a lot of what I'm trying to do is, is get as many different experiences as possible and then figure out how to blend all those things together. I love it. I love it. Well, Matt, um, I wish you the all of the best on your adventures and your path going forward in your career and your flying and your outdoor endeavors. Um, and it's just been such a pleasure having an opportunity to, um, talk with you in this context after, after many moons of, uh, 
uh, of following your adventures from afar and, and knowing you as a little kid and, and, and everything in between. So, um, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your journeys with me and the rest of our listeners here. Um, and I just, I'm really, really grateful for the time you spent with us today. Of course. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk with you and great to see you again after uh, all these years. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love, I love talking and I think it's, it's really important to share a lot of uh, different experiences from different people and uh, different ways to, to view the outdoors. And I think that probably everyone listening is the, the one thing that really people share common uh, in common with this is, is they, they love the outdoors. And I think that that is, that is something that is super special. And again, that's something that I think is, is the planet's most valuable resource. Um, and I think that something needs to be protected and cared about and, um, as many people that can get into the outdoors as possible, I think that's a pretty amazing thing. Awesome. Thanks again. I hope you enjoyed hearing from this avid adventurer as much as I did. Join me every week as we continue to explore the inner landscapes and outer accomplishments of our guests. And if you know someone who you think would make a great interview, please reach out to me at the email in the show notes. I look forward to reconnecting next week.